Luther said something very telling, and it really sums up this passage well. Old theologian from Germany. He said, when you pray, are you seeking to overcome God's reluctance? Or are you laying hold of his willingness? Think about your posture. Think about your heart. Think about how you come to God. When you pray, are you seeking first and foremost to overcome God's reluctance, his inattention to your life, his misunderstanding of what you really need? Is that how you're coming to God in prayer? Or are you coming to him with this understanding that I'm laying hold of God's willingness, his willingness to actually reward me, we'll get there, his willingness to work in me, and through me. So what is the posture, what's your strategy here? When you come to pray, when we prayed just a few minutes ago, did you feel like, and I think most of us do, that as you step into prayer, as you step into God's presence, you're really working to overcome his reluctance, overcome his inattention to you, instead of like a child walking in to the presence our Father and laying hold of his willingness to give you the everything. So that's, this is our challenge today. This is our challenge, is to understand your posture in prayer. So to do that, we're going to step back a little bit. I'm going to read from verse 1 because I want you to see, check how many times God, Jesus is teaching us that God wants to reward you. You don't even have a category for that. And Jesus has just preached the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5, and it's really just life in this kingdom. And he takes it to the heart level. He says things like, you have heard it said, don't murder, but I'm saying when you're slandering your brother, you're actually killing him. So he takes obedience to God to a heart level. There's transformation. You know, be, be perfect like your Father in heaven. And then he comes to us to teach us how to pray, but I want you to watch this. We're just gonna read through this together. I want you to see how many times God says, or Jesus says, God the Son, that God the Father is gonna reward you. Because we just don't have a category for that. And I think it affects how we pray. So I'm gonna read it to us. Um, chapter six, verse one, we're gonna read the beginning and we're gonna stop at verse 10, which is where we're gonna focus today. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So read with me. Beware of practicing your, practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. For then you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. Thus, when you give to the needy, sound no trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and the streets, that they may be praised by others. Truly I say to you, they have received the reward. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners, that they may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room, shut your door, and pray to your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you pray... Do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. 
Do not be like them. Why? For your Father knows what you need before you ask him. Pray then like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Pray with me. Dear Heavenly Father, as we come to you, I feel as I step into your presence and even open up prayer, I'm doing something to you. I'm trying to convince you of something. I'm trying to overcome reluctance. Instead of grabbing hold of your willingness. Teach us, Lord, this word is beyond us. Teach us how to pray. Teach us what this means, that your will would be done on earth as it is in heaven. And we give you this time, and we thank you in the name of Jesus. Amen. So what's your strategy? How are you coming to prayer? Is it reluctance? Are you shooting to overcome God's reluctance? Is that you? Just be honest. Or do you walk into his presence? Do you pray? Well, do you pray? And when do you pray? Just when you need something? Or are you actually grabbing hold of God's willingness for you? So let's understand that. We we need to understand that. So first and foremost, prayer is this, laying hold of God's willingness to reward you. We're going to understand what that means. Feels wrong, doesn't it? Secondly, his willingness to work in you. So when we're praying God's will be done on earth as it is in heaven, it starts with me. It's God's will starts here. And lastly, it's, it's, it's really just holding on to his willingness to work through you. Because God's kingdom is going to be visible through his people. So let's understand this together. Let's understand this. So prayer lays hold of God's willingness to reward you. Do you feel comfortable with that? Now, there's, there's two ditches here. Some people might say, well, of course, that's God's job, to forgive me and reward me, to make me have an awesome life, right? Isn't that why Jesus died? No, not locally, not, not really. You're, you're, you're shooting too short here. And some people might say, no, I'm saved by grace through faith. God never wants to reward me. In fact, if I do something to get a reward from God, that's wrong. Well, Okay, I think I know where you're going, but we have to understand this. It says that God is rewarding. So let's understand this first part of the verse, because Jesus says, do not practice your righteousness before others. What does that term righteousness mean? Well, righteousness means this. It's when you live your life in step with God's will for you. It's not secret either. It's God's revealed will for you. His law, Jesus just taught on the Sermon on the Mount. We could sum it up in the Ten Commandments. We could sum it up how Jesus does, to love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself. So Jesus says, don't practice your righteousness or your service to God to be seen by others. Because if you do, he says, you are going to receive the only reward you're going to get. He says, no, no, no. Practice it in secret because your father who sees in secret is going to reward you. Now, it's interesting to me that those words reward, right? Don't, er, don't live your life. Don't practice your righteousness 
to receive a reward from others, but seek the reward that God gives. In the English language, it's reward, but in the original language, it's two different words. It's interesting to me because the first reward means getting recognition for your goodness. In other words, if you, if you live to practice your righteousness before others, you may in fact be affirmed by them, be recognized by them as good and helpful and necessary and wonderful. But you're kind of forfeiting God's reward. Now that word reward, the Father will reward you in secret, it's really about giving you. It's just what it means. He's giving to you. He's giving you a reward. You're built to live for reward. You are built to want to be rewarded for the work that you do. You are. Let's just be honest about that. Scripture even teaches that, that Jesus endured the cross for the joy that was set before him. So let's explore that just a little bit. God is rewarding his kids for how they live. So tucked away in this warning, beware of practicing your righteousness before others. Tucked away in this is the truth that God celebrates and rewards, especially the unseen deeds that you accomplish in faith. Nobody else knows about it. Nobody else usually cares about it. The precision that you serve other people, the time you spend serving kids, maybe your neighbor, maybe serving that, 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 that family member that has dementia that doesn't even remember who you are anymore. God sees what you're doing. He knows what you're up to. He knows you walk in faith to do that. And in his kingdom, in his economy, he is all about celebrating unseen deeds and rewarding you. You should be excited about that. This is normal. We do this with our kids. Why would we expect different? He celebrates that. So for us, right, to lay a hold of God's willingness, you as a servant, you must live to impress. But who do you live to impress? That's the question. You have to live for the eyes of God. Put it this way. The eyes that you're attracting to your life, the eyes that your works are attracting, that encourage you, that bless you, the eyes you want to see you, well, be careful, that could be your master. This is what Jesus is saying. Hey, if you're practicing your righteousness to gain the attention, to gain the attraction of others, that could be your master. You can't serve two masters. You must live as a servant for the eyes of your master. And that means many times, nobody knows what you've done except God the Father. And he's about celebrating you and rewarding you. That is so freeing. Um, Dallas Willard, he's a theologian. He said it this way, because I think we're, you feel the danger here, don't you? Well, I can earn my salvation, right? If I do enough, God's gonna love me. No, that's not what Jesus is saying. Here's what Dallas Willard says. Grace does not oppose effort it just opposes earning. Your works, your deeds done in secret, the things that you do in faith, the good works that you do, 
even in faith, those are not going to be added up and someday Jesus will say, yes, now you are worthy of loving. You are worthy of salvation. That is never going to happen. The gap is too large. That's not what God is asking for you. He's asking for you to receive his work on your behalf. So grace is not opposed to your effort. It's opposed to you earning God's favor. You don't earn God's favor through your works. You don't earn salvation. You don't earn righteousness before him through your works. But he does reward you. I hope that distinction doesn't make us nervous. What makes Jesus nervous here is that you understand that, but you still perform for other people. So grace, yeah, in fact, grace, the gift we have of salvation, should energize your effort. It should make you want to please God. It should make you so joyful that you serve behind the scenes with the energy and the precision and the power and the effort that you do even when people are looking at you, even when you know you're gonna be rewarded. And it's okay if people affirm you and say, that's fine, that's not a sin, but don't live for their eyes, live for the eyes of your master. And so this teaches us that prayer lays hold of God's willingness. Let me tell you a quick story that might help us in understanding this. I got a call from a teacher um, years ago when my kids were little. And the teacher said, so there's a pattern in one of your kids' life. It's kind of, you should probably know about it. I'm like, man, here we go. (laughs) It's my littlest one. And she's very popular in school. And she was, I think, maybe third or fourth grade. So I don't even know what that means in third and fourth grade. (laughs) But she had a lot of friends, and the girls wanted to hang out with her and whatever. But she would, at lunch, she would get up sometimes and leave their table, and there was this outcast, and she'd go sit with them and hang out with them. And, like, really, like, be friends with this this little girl. She's like, she was like, it's kind of a disturbing pattern. I just want to let you know about that. I'm like, what's disturbing about that? Um, but she was, she was like, no, no, your daughter has good character. Or I just, I wanted you as a dad to know that. Now, imagine when my daughter comes home. What is she, nine years old, maybe? Ten. Imagine if I said to her, this freaks me out. I heard what you did. I'm going to tell you right now, you keep up, you keep up that behavior you're gonna belong to me someday. I'm gonna love you. You're gonna be my heir. But just so we know, keep it up. That's not what I said. I said, imagine if I said that. What I said as a dad was, man, that is how to live, baby. Like, I am so encouraged by what you did and what you do and how you you do that. Why are you doing that? Well, because they're always alone. Okay, that's really good. That's how you live as a Connor. That's good, that's, that's good. That's how you live as a servant of God. God is really pleased with you. Right? He rewards those unseen duties. You're living in the identity that God has given you. You're not earning it. Do you see the distinction there? Do you see how much freedom she would have to say, thanks, Dad. I affirm her, I reward her, I teach her. That is wonderful. God loves that about you. God has gifted you for that. Never stop doing that. 
Never stop doing that. Prayer lays hold of God's willingness to reward you. Just that right there. That right there. You're not overcoming his reluctance. You're not making him see you. You're not earning his love for you through your service of other people. You have to receive that empty-handed, and that makes many of us nervous, but receive it empty-handed, and then let God reward you. He loves to celebrate these unseen deeds in in secret. He just loves that. So, yes, prayer lays hold of this truth that God rewards, and secondly, God works in you. He wants to work in you. This is part of your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So, as we said, if God's will is going to be done right here on earth, it's not abstract. It's in you. First, God's will is worked out in your heart, in your life, in your affections, in your faith. And I think we said this a couple weeks ago. Sometimes it feels like war, and sometimes it doesn't. Depends on what it is. But if God's will is going to be done right here, 2020, in Boston, in this region, it's going to start in your life. He has great willingness to do this. Great willingness. So let's answer this question. What does it look like for God's will to be done in heaven, first of all? If we want his will to be done here in us, on earth, as it is in heaven, should we not understand what it looks like for his will to be done in heaven? I think it's a little bit obvious, but we're still going to go there, because I, I think it's worth it. So I'm going to turn to Psalms, um, Psalm 103, Psalm 103.20. I think it's a, it's a very good understanding of that. Starting in Psalm 103, 19, the Lord has established his throne in the heavens and his kingdom rules over all. Bless the Lord, O you his angels, you mighty ones who do his word, obeying the voice of his word, exclamation point. Bless the Lord, all his hosts, heavenly hosts, his ministers, his servants who do his will, exclamation point. Bless the Lord, all his works, in all the places of his dominion. Bless the Lord, O my soul. So this is God's will being executed in heaven. So how was it done? With full attention, with full precision, with full energy. It's not taken under advisement. It's delighted in with full hearts, not begrudgingly. This is God's desire for his will in your life. So this prayer, as we pray this, God, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. It's kind of, it is living dangerously. Who said that? The full attention, energy, and heart. How did Jesus work this out? Um, He's not in heaven, but we want to believe that God's will was worked out in David's life. Let me just read to you out of Psalm 40. David says, In sacrifice and offering you have not delighted, but you have given me an open ear. Burnt offering and sin offering you have not required. Then I said, Behold, I have come in the scroll of the book. It is written of me. I delight to do your will. Oh my God, your law is within my heart. Hmm. David delighted in the will of the Lord. This is right after David had been saved by God. 
And he's like, it's not enough, like, I'm not gonna give you a goat. <laughs> it's not enough to sacrifice. There's tension there. I know it doesn't save me. It's, it's pushing my eyes forward to the one sacrifice, the one who will come for me. I wanna give you now what I can, my whole life. We see this in the New Testament, this idea of a living sacrifice. So David delights in doing the will of the Lord. Like, no, you've saved me. You love me. You've prospered me. You've taken me through the valley of death. You set a table before my enemies. I will give you my life. I will delight in your law. And Jesus says as much as well. John 4, 34. Um, his disciples are talking about being hungry. And he's like, you know what my food is? This is very Jesus. To do the will of the Father. I like that. I'll tell you why. Because I'm a dad. And to me, that sounds like a dad life lesson. And Jesus didn't do that a whole lot, right? He was, but he did it. He said, I'll tell you what my food is. I'll tell you what my substance is. I'll tell you what my source is. I will tell you, disciples, what sustains me. You know what sustains me? My, what sustains me is to do the will of the one who sent me to accomplish the work he laid before me. And it's going to require me to lay everything out for you guys. You don't understand that yet, but this is my food. This is what I want. I want his will to work through my life in such a way that I delight, knowing that actually Psalm 40 was fulfilled completely in Jesus. Hmm. David was kind of a runner-up. So Jesus does the will of the Father. God the Son works that out in delight. But in seriousness, it's his substance. So what is God's willingness for you? What is his will? Well, he wants you to overcome the world. He wants you to live in his kingdom. Um, let me ask you a question. How much time have you wasted looking for something to live for in this world? Can I just ask you that? Think about the hours, the minutes, the time, the days, the years, maybe the decades. Looking for something, something worth living for. Hey, we're getting to politics, right? It's 2020. I'm always amazed how the words of politicians will motivate my people more than the words of Jesus. Don't let that be us, friend. We have a king. Yes, we're citizens. I get that. Be responsible. Work your convictions. You are never gonna find something worth living for here. So don't. Find it in his kingdom. Find it in his kingdom. So what does it mean that God's will works in your life? Well, a couple things. Um, Overcoming the world, we know Jesus does this. We know that he's our hope. But Paul gives us a good idea of what that feels like in our life. In Romans 12, he says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed, right, your will in me by the renewal of your mind that you might test and discern what is the will of God, what is good and perfect and acceptable. So first things first, it's what you deny. 
If you're being shaped by the world, what he means by that is by the desires of the world. What seems good and perfect and reasonable to this world. What would that be? I don't know. Look at the things that you read. Watch the commercials, the podcasts that you listen to, the assumptions that we have. Things like don't do something that doesn't sustain your happiness. That is a cultural maxim that actually doesn't come from Scripture. If you do that, you have another God. It's you. So check that. What is shaping you? What is good and perfect and reasonable to you? Many times lives in conflict to what God is saying, but it's more than avoidance. Um, In 2 Corinthians 3, it says that wherever the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. So it's more than just avoiding or not being conformed to the world. It's being conformed to what God wants to you, walking in step with the Spirit aggressively seeking to live and to love and to serve as God has called you to. And you cannot do this in your own power. You've got to rely on the Lord. You've got to ask to be filled with the Spirit. You have to ask like Jesus teaches us, your will be done on earth in me as it is in heaven. God, give me delight. Give me energy to do this. Give me the ability. Take away the fear that I have and the tension I have working this out. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, in me. And as you're praying this, you know that you're not pulling God away from something else that he's doing and into your life, and he's gonna roll his eyes because he said, you prayed that last week and it didn't work out. Come back to me when you're serious. No, 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 we know, right? His willingness is there. He wants to do this. He's promised to do this. More than avoidance, it's freedom. Uh, Westminster Shorter Catechism, maybe some of you have read this as kids. It's one of my favorite things because it tests, it tests us and it encourages us. It says, what is the chief end of man? In other words, what are we here for? You know the answer? What is it? I'm gonna sit down. <laughs> you guys got it. Glorify God and enjoy him forever. And John Piper, bless his heart, he switched it a little bit. He says, glorify God by enjoying him forever. Do you enjoy God? Do you enjoy God in prayer? The only way you're really gonna enjoy God eternally the way he wants you to is as you submit your life, your heart, your will, your emotions to his desire and will for you. But I don't want to. Sometimes we don't. Submit your submit it. That's how you enjoy God. You don't get to outside of commitment to his will above your own. So prayer lays hold of God's willingness to reward you and to work in you, to work in you. Would you would you pray that prayer? Are you bold enough to pray that prayer? Are you? I dare you. God, your will be done in my life as it is in heaven. God, help me to delight in it. God, help me to trust in you. God, help me to act on this. God, help my emotions to come in line with what's true of me instead of what what I think about me. Let me see your idea of me as true. And prayer lays hold of God's willingness to work through you. 
we almost always jump to this one. When you talk about kingdom theology or God's kingdom come, we always talk about the works. Well, the kingdom comes through God's works through his people. That is true. But if you do not seek God first, if you don't believe that he rewards you even in secret or especially in secret, if you don't believe God first establishes his kingdom in you and overcomes death in you, if that's not real to you, then you will be so good at doing his works because you will be convinced that's the only way he could ever accept and love you. And now we're back to chapter six, verse one. Beware of practicing your righteousness before others, including God. But God does want to work through you, and he's willing to. Let me read you a small quote. This is by Betsy Howard. Uh, she wrote a book called Identity Theft, Reclaiming the Truth of Our Identity in Christ. Listen to what she says very carefully. She said, once we know we're serving the Lord rather than men and women, we can stop worrying about whether we are underappreciated. We can stop focusing on whether our efforts enhance our image and start concentrating on how we can best meet the needs of our neighbors. God working through you to make his kingdom visible depends on you receiving first the gift he has for you. And then God calls us to be his ambassador. Do you know what an ambassador is? Do you know what you do as an ambassador of Christ? Well, think of the embassy. The embassy is the church. The embassy, like all embassies, represents the rule of the sovereign nation on foreign soil. So the church, which is God's people, not a building, is where God's rule happens, right? Your will be done in us as it is in heaven. And out of this, this, this um, what did I just call it? Embassy, thank you. <laughs> Love front row people. We have ambassadors, and ambassadors make their appeal, as the Apostle Paul says, to be reconciled to Christ. You, my friend, as a believer, are not working out, you're not working for salvation. You have citizenship in another world, in another kingdom, and you operate as its ambassador wherever you are, even when we leave the embassy. And that's how God works through you. Here's ambassador. Prayer lays hold of God's willingness to work in you and to work through you. Um, the kingdom of God becomes visible through you in the weirdest ways. Have you ever had somebody at work say, why do you, how come you're not freaked out that we're, like our contract's getting canceled? You're like, no, I've actually had them say, why are you freaked out? <laughs> no, think about that for a minute. Oh, I, <laughs> I have another boss. Doesn't work here. King of Glory, maybe you've heard of him. He's been around for a long time. When God's will takes up residence in your life, you are strange to those around you. When you live here as a resident alien, not finding your glory in this world, but bringing the glory of God to this world, you get noticed. When you serve others, not to be seen, but just because you've been loved. You're like, this is too good. You've gotta get in on that. 
when you make it your business to expose the glory of God personally, not just in general sense, but you've got to know my king. You've got to know him. The kingdom becomes visible. Um, So what does God's work look like? What does it look like for God to work through you? Here's just a few ideas. Lay hold of this. It's cleaning up a mess you didn't make. Have you ever like worked really hard for somebody to come over to dinner and you cleaned up your house maybe and you actually made something by hand instead of buying it and they just didn't show? How do you feel about that? Either get really sad or you go into rage. <laughs> One of the two. God sees it. God's going to reward you, not them. Yeah, you should be disappointed. Let's just be honest for a minute. So God working through you, you clean up messes you didn't make. This is very much following in the footsteps of Jesus. That means maybe, you, maybe you're a little more concerned about being on the cleanup committee than on the planning committee. Who wants to do that? God's kingdom, people. Um, another idea. Visiting people that don't have options, like, again, people that have dementia. They're never going to remember you. Older folk, serving kids. They might remember you, but they're not going to reward you, man. (laughs) Are they? Do they reward? They don't reward you. They reward you with, like, spit up, right? But you're representing God's kingdom. And the least and the last and the... They're loved here. They feel safe here. They don't have to reward you. They don't have to earn a spot here. They're just here. And they know that because God loves them. So serving, um, giving anonymously. I just give. I just give. How about this one? Working God's way. How about the way you conduct yourself professionally pleases God? Could you say that? What if Jesus gave you like a performance review for your job? How would that go? I actually have to get that, just so you know. (laughs) I'm a little nervous about it, to be honest with you. Um, What if the way you work, the way you work with your employees, the the way that you work with the people in your department, the way that you work with your colleagues, the way you treat your boss, God expects you to represent him in all these manners. He expects to let him work through you in all these, what we would call tiny, insignificant, maybe impractical areas. He's all about that. You will show off his goodness and his kingdom in the way that you do that. So we do God's work God's way. And it's all God's work if you're a Christian, if you're a believer, if you're trusting in Jesus, it's all God's work. He can work through you in all of these. He will work through you in all these ways. So don't separate the sacred from the secular. There's no such thing in this kingdom. It's everywhere. It's wherever the spirit of God is working in power. And that would be in you. And share the king. Just share the king. People care about what's most important to you. Just let them know. Jesus, oh boy, you're religious? I don't know. What do you mean by religious? Maybe? Here's what I mean by religious. It means that he is the most important because he's creator. It's like, how could I want to live my life in any other way that, please, that, that, that doesn't make him my Lord? 
Well, what do you mean by that? Now we're having a conversation and we're respecting other people and I'm not tearing down their beliefs. I'm showing them who I worship and let God work. You're not gonna save anybody. Let God work through what you give him. He will do it. He does it all the time. Are you laying hold of God's willingness? Are you? Is that what prayer is for you? Are you satisfied to work in the shadows, to work behind the scenes? Is it okay? Do you get crushed when you're not affirmed by people? Are you laying hold of God's willingness to reward you, to work in you and transform you, and to work through you? Are you doing that? Do not let prayer, like Martin Luther said, be an exercise to overcome his reluctance. Don't. It's not true. Let prayer be an exercise of God's people laying hold of God's willingness for them. Here's how Jesus proves that to you. He let go of glory. He let go of the glory of his station as God the Son in heaven. He lets go of this. He becomes poor that we might become rich. How does God respond to that? God gives him the name that is above every name such that at the mention of Jesus, everyone in heaven, check this, everyone in heaven, on earth, and under the earth, all of creation bows the knee and professes or confesses that he is king of king and Lord of lords. He did not do this for a claim, but God the Father gave it to him. He did this for you. That's his willingness, his willingness to save you. Will you receive that? Will you let your rightness, your value, be based on God's love for you in this way? You give him your whole life, like David said. Living sacrifice, all of it's yours. Not just my sin, not just my good behavior, all of it. This is what he did. This is why he gave up his glory for you, for me. So trust him, trust him. That's his willingness, trust him. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you so much. Um, we thank you that you love us like this that as we come to you in prayer, if we're trusting in you, Lord Jesus, we don't come as an enemy. We don't come as one who has to earn a position. We come as a child comes to a parent. Teach us, Lord, what that means, that we can cry, our Father, our Father, and teach us what it means that your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And it's in the name of Jesus that we honor and we pray this. Amen.